Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of About Nashville. This is my podcast. I'm Mike Rogers. Um, today our guest is Ray Scott, country music singer, songwriter, uh, and he has a song out right now that I absolutely love called Ain't Always Thirsty. Uh, he hit the scene back in 2005 with uh, My Kind of Music, and uh, he's been putting out all kinds of great music ever since. Um, I'm excited about this interview. Oh, so you want to know what I did this weekend? Yes, what'd you do? So, I had, I didn't do shit. <laughs> but now listen, so, so I had a, this guy, so you know I don't, you, you kind of know my situation, I don't date, just kind of go with the flow type thing. So this guy that has been wanting to date me. Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, he, he called me and I finally gave him a chance. So Sunday, we're supposed to hook up. Supposed to go have dinner. That's <laughs> supposed to go hook up. What was it, you met it him on depends, Tinder? It just depends on what dinner was like. But anyway, so okay. look, we're supposed to go to dinner. Mm-hmm. And Sunday, yesterday evening. So I got a call, like from my uncle who's incarcerated. Okay. So I very, very seldom get to speak to him. So when he called me, of course, I'm going to talk to him. It's about 15 minutes. So this guy that... Wait for it. ain't going to be talking long. That's either. right. But look, so this guy I have absolutely no ties to calls mm-hmm. to go out to dinner. Like I said, and I've been knowing him. He's just from around. So he calls me while I'm on my uncle's on the phone. And you tell me what you think about this when I'm done. All right. So he calls while my uncle's on the phone. And normally, you know when people call, I ask the phone. So... I didn't answer. So he calls back like immediately. Okay. And then I send him a voicemail. And then he calls back immediately again. The and then like after the sixth time. He I was like, doing it? Yes. Was he act like there's an emergency that you need to know about? Exactly. So no look. So after the sixth time, I send him a text. I'm on the phone with my uncle. And I'll call you when I'm done. Okay. He sends me a text back saying, uh, don't worry about calling me back. Just talk to your uncle. So I'm like, what the hell? Really? Yeah, so he... Hopefully he, you did not go out with this guy anymore and you you, you bought you a new cell phone out here, 27 <laughs> that you own. Well, well, you know I'll get a new number, but no, he has this number I have to keep. <laughs> but no, so he caught... He, this, he, this cell phone was just specifically for him. <laughs> no, not this one. But no, so I text him back and he I think he has this bipolar thing going on. So he texts me and he says, well, I'm at such and such. If you're going to come, you're going to come. If you're not, you're not. <laughs> what the hell is up with this guy? So he calls me this morning, uh-huh. just out the blue, like nothing's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you on your way to work? I was like, are you serious? You, you, you have to be kidding me. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm like, that's, so that's, that's the, that's the kind of guys that I get. Where are you meeting these crazy guys? Seriously. I can't tell it. Oh my God. Time. Are you on like Tinder or something like that? <laughs> No, I'm not on any social you media. On one of those I met him at, at like a, a ballpark. Oh gosh! Some place, but some ballpark. So yeah. So you tell me what you think about that. I think it's crazy. I think I w- would never speak to the person again. Now, that would have been the end of that. So what's going to happen when I run into him again? Because I'll see him again. Uh yeah, you blew your shot, Bucky Baseball. <laughs> So call him Bucky Baseball. Yeah, you, you blew your shot, Bucky Baseball. You're but done. Yeah, that was that was kind of my weekend. That's crazy. Yeah, and then I had an old friend call who said she wanted to sleep with my ex-husband. What? <laughs> yes. 
You had an old friend call you wanting to sleep with your old friend. Like, My ex-husband. Does she, does she need your permission? I think so. She called and she said, so does, she said, so does your husband have like this golden penis? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, he gets the most beautiful women. And, you know, I said, well, hey, go ahead and try it. You're kidding me. No, I'm you just told You told your friend, go ahead and sleep with my ex-husband. Yep. And she, has she done this yet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she's, she told me that because she's already done it and she wants to know my reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Or if she said it because she wants to do it. That's... Oh, my God. So what do you think about that? I think that's pretty uh, uh, ridiculous in itself. First of all, there's there's an unwritten code that says that if you are, what is it, hoes before bros or bros before hoes? Yeah, it's bros, bros before, before hoes. Yes. I knew it was supposed to be some yes. kind of code. I, I don't know what the code is. I, I probably break it every, every chance I got when I was single. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, at least if you're going to break that code or whatever, keep your damn mouth shut. Well, no. If it, I think it's more respectable to, if she wants to do it, to get my okay to do it, instead of going behind my back and doing it. Really? You think that's more respectable than yes. throwing it out there in your face? Yes, you? because my, husband, my ex-husband's going to tell me anyway. Really? So it's, but yeah, because oh we're still really good friends, God. but it's sad that, he, that she comes and she's, you know... Oh, you need your own reality show. Oh, shit. You do. You do. <laughs> no. Yes, no. I, uh, no. What channel would they put that on? It, uh, Cinemax. A few different ones. <laughs> a few different ones, yeah. But no, it, it'll expose too much of my life. You know I'm a private person. <laughs> Not anymore. Hey, 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 now. So, uh, uh, we, we did another cookout, um, and I turned into the Honky Tonk Puss again. Uh, I, I did. I did. I need to buy me another cooker because uh, it's, it's starting to scare the hell out of me because like, I'm like trying to sneak up on it now. Like I'll light the gas and I go in to put that damn light up underneath it because the button won't work. And it's like, I, and I, I swear to God, I turned into this like five-year-old like scared ass. I'm like, ah! so, so speaking of puss, so, oh okay, no, 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 listen, so. So I heard like on one of the, cause I watch reality TV, speaking of reality TV show. So this lady said, was talking about a beef curtain. What's a beef curtain? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. You know what a beef curtain is. It's supposed to be like where something on the puss is kind of turned inside out or flipped. I don't know. A beef curtain? Beef curtain. Yeah, look up beef curtain. I'm afraid to. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Let me so see. yeah, but no, why are you looking at it? It's supposed to be like a, like a really ugly vagina mm-hmm. that has like a lot of mouths on it. Oh God. And it, right. So, but you, you, you brought it to my head because you said puss, but yeah, I'm like, what the hell is a beef curtain? All right, well, I'm, I'm looking up Google, looking up images, and let's see what we got. Oh, Lord, um, I'm scared to find I, out. I know, right? Nothing's coming up so far. That's how bad it is. Well, I hope. <laughs> you hope not. I hope not, yeah. Nothing, nothing's, I, I can't get. Nothing's to, come up from beef curtain? Nah, I think I get bad service in here. It's like we're in a bunker, man. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me see. What does the beef curtain look like? Oh, God. That looks like she's been freaking smashed by Lex Steel. See? Okay, wow. Look, it looks like a sandwich. It, a sandwich? Hell, I wouldn't eat that shit. <laughs> you may have plenty of beef curtains. I mean, that looks like it was just destroyed. 
<laughs> Jeremy, what was it? Ron Jeremy just beat the shit out of it. And that. I don't know why I didn't look it up when I heard it. That is funky-fied. Beef Curtain. Yes. That, what, now, what show was that on? I can't remember. I can't remember what I was watching. Oh, my God. You need whatever it was. You need to quit watching that I shit. I know, right? But no, she kind of, you know, it, it kind of blew over really fast. But I heard her say, and I'm like, a Beef Curtain? What's a Beef Curtain? Oh, that's funky. Well, uh, that's so funny. I'm playing again this weekend. Okay. I'm playing Friday night, uh, June 10th at 6.30 p.m. at Miss Kelly's Bar in downtown Nashville. Uh, it's a plug, as you can tell. I'm not doing a very good job of plugging it, but you know. You did an awesome job. Thank you, thank awesome you. Job. Uh, tickets are whatever you can pay at the door because it's a it's for charity. It's for the Middle Tennessee Golden Gloves. No one will be turned away at the door. So if you've got a dollar, or ten dollars, or twenty dollars, or whatever you got, you now if you have no dollars, you're you're not going to be turned away at the door. Uh, everybody's welcome. It's uh, like I said, it's for charity for the Middle Tennessee Golden Gloves. Beef Speaking curtains of welcome. Golden Gloves, do what? Beef curtains welcome. Oh my God. <laughs> no beef curtains. I, I, well, you know there'll be beef curtains there. I just hope to God they don't reveal themselves. Set it up and turn away at the door. That'd be like, well, how the well, you know, if they show up, beef curtains show up at the door. It's not like I'm going to say, hey, can you show me your curtain? You know, I mean, fuck, if you're from Iraq, if you're from Russia, show me your iron curtain, you know? Okay, okay. I don't, okay. Damn, that's funky. Beef curtains. That, that's. That's that's beyond disgusting. That's like, hey, look at my shit. It looks like a sandwich. No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I like I said, I just heard it. And I wanted to know what it was. Thanks. Well, I'm surprised you didn't Google that. I didn't because really? it, it came because you brought it to my attention when you said you were a puss at the your, your little cookout. Meaning I was being wimpy, right. not oh, that I, I turned into that. a vaginal or caving wall curtain. or something, right. or looked like I'd been demolished by Lex Steel or some <laughs> freaking shit. Um, no, it just. Just freaking Muhammad Ali died. I know, right? And that I, I wanted to, I wanted to actually call you this weekend because I know you. I, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't want to bother you, but yeah. But but what blew my mind about the whole situation is uh, I, when I heard that he was sick Friday night. Um, I text my my uh, my stepmom and I said, "Hey, can you find the picture of me and Muhammad Ali squaring up together?" Um, I was going to put it on Facebook. And then I woke up that morning, he was already gone. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh my wow. gosh. Um, but it was, it, and I guess it was about 1989, Ali came down to my dad's gym. And uh, he came in and did magic tricks for the kids. And he was so nice to everybody. And then uh, afterwards, um, my dad and I, we were talking to him. And he puts his arm around my dad's neck. Now, he, mind you, I didn't hear this. My dad had to tell me this later because he kind of whispered. He leaned over and whispered to, to, to my dad's ear. He said, um, he said, hey, uh, uh, did you call me the N-word? And he didn't say N. Right. <laughs> and, and he looked up at my dad with his eye. I mean, my dad looked up at him with these big eyes. He said, no, champ. And, and, uh, and then he said, oh, I was just kidding. I was just checking with you or something like that. And then turned around and he squared off with me. And um, my dad told me this later, and, he, and I said, what do you think that was about? And he said, I just, he said, I just think he was messing with me, yeah. you know, just trying to get a reaction or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but I was just like, oh, wow. That was but he was such a nice guy. Did the you one thing, picture? Do what? Did you find your picture? No, she hadn't found it yet. I hope she finds it soon, because I really do want to put it up. But um, the one thing that I do remember the most about him is I actually met him before I met Joe Frazier. And when I met Joe Frazier, I just remember going, this guy seems awfully small to have done the amount of damage that he's done. And then when I met Ali, I thought, 
this guy's really big, you know, to be as fast and fluid and, and, and everything that he was. Um, you know, I'm six foot one, he's six foot three, and he just seems so much bigger than me all the way mm-hmm. around. Uh, he looked like he's probably made a few uh, uh, beef curtains in his life. <laughs> he has. You see how many kids he got? I know, I right? His daughter. So, um, <laughs> and another thing that happened over the weekend, which was uh, horrible uh, for us, I was in Alabama for a boxing tournament with the kids, and I get this text message. Um, Shelby died, and Shelby's our, our, our dog, okay. uh, 15-year-old dog. And the horrible part about it is in this interview uh, with, that we're about to play for with Ray uh, uh, Scott, the puppy, Shelby, or not puppy because the dog is 15 years old, but Shelby would come up to the door and would scratch and was making all these coughing noises and stuff. And at one point I made a joke. I said, oh, my God, Ray, I think the dog just died behind you. <laughs> and now here we are putting out the interview and the damn dog's dead. <clears throat> what kind of luck do I got there? Not very good luck. On to the interview with Ray Scott. The honky tonk hit man. Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the honky tonk hit man, Mike Rogers. But it's yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing, in my opinion. But you know, then I got I, I, let's see, um, Breaking Bad. I finally you know committed to that and got all into it. Um, there's a new show that came out last year called Narc Narcos. Uh, it's about uh, oh, was it yeah 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 about uh, what's his name. Uh, um, crap. Colombian uh, drug dealer. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, who was that guy? Oh crap. <laughs> It's going to kill me. I mean, Escobar. Escobar, yeah. Pablo Escobar. And it's great. It's great, too. So I'm looking forward to, you know, but I like when they're all done with and I can just go watch the whole thing. Yeah. Because yeah. now I'm waiting to next season for this narco show and it's driving me nuts already. So. Uh, apparently he dies in this next season. And I'm like, yeah. why? Obviously, they, so I guess that maybe the budget was too much or whatever I, You else. know, I don't know. I mean, I think it might just be a, a question of uh, them having told the whole story. I don't know. I mean, I, I know... I kind of know how it ended up in real life, yeah. and and the progression of it so far, uh, you know, it's been, it's it's gone on with it. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it does end after two seasons. But that sucks because uh, you know, anytime I get interested in something, I just want more. Right, right. Na- Nashville is not an example of that. I was, <laughs> I was ready to see that go away. But, uh, yeah, I read your post on that one. You were like, "Yeah, this is probably a good thing." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just—I mean, they jumped the shark, in my opinion, two seasons ago, and just—I don't know. So, uh, you know, the 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 funny part—I was laughing. I said this on the show: uh, the fact that they showed paparazzi hounding 
that doesn't happen no. anywhere. No, here. not here. No, no. Whether there, well, there may be paparazzi, but they don't. Yeah. Nobody messes with anybody. Uh, yeah, I don't care how famous you are. You get left alone here, man. I know. It doesn't matter if you're Johnny Depp or whoever. Be, yeah. People just yeah. they don't mess with you. Yeah. So what are you up to now, man? Man, I'm just you know, I'm out there, dude. I mean, I've you know I've got my own label now. It's a co-venture with uh, my buddy Dave Brainerd and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just kind of started up a couple of years back, honestly, just to kind of, you know, have a have a home and, and a place to work from. You know, we've we've got a little, you know, kind of a little infrastructure going, and I'm just out touring a bunch and doing it. Uh, you know, kind of doing the the indie thing, and and uh, you know, having had a little bit of a start ten years ago with mm-hmm. a major it has helped me because there's still people out there that come out of the woodwork, you know, and, and uh, some some of which have been maybe fans ever since the first days, and this is wow. the first time they've gotten to see me. Wow. So between, you know, the last few years, I've concentrated a little more in Europe until, yeah, I don't know, three or four years ago, um, you know, XM, Sirius XM started playing me, and, uh, and that kind of changed the game for me here in the States. How, how many uh, dates do you do a year? Um, you know, right now, I think the end of this year, we'll probably be, we'll probably be at about 120. Oh, wow. So yeah. you are, you are, and you're just newly married. Yeah. Now, what, how, how long have you been married now? Uh, well, since, uh, since September. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. You, do you take her on the road with you or are you? Well, now and again, honestly, man, I think, you know, uh, the conditions we travel in sometimes, it's not always, not always conducive for a wife or a girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, you know, even on a bus, it, it gets kind of small after a couple of days and, sure. and uh, you know, and you're in bunks and, uh, you know, so uh, not really. I mean, if it's a special kind of gig, like a couple of weeks from now, I've got a thing in my hometown. She's considering going to that. But, okay. But even still, you know... Um, it's not comfortable. You know. so your hometown, North Carolina? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about growing up in North Carolina. Um, so how old were you when you realized that you liked country music? Or what were your some of your you know your idols as you were growing up? Or did you even listen to it? Well, I, I did. I, I listened to it because I had no choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was right there in that boat with you on that yeah. one. You know, growing up, my dad was a big country fan, not only that, but a country singer himself uh, on a local kind of level. Did and, he sound uh, like you? Uh, we sound similar. Um, not, I mean, his voice, I think, or his style of singing harkens back a lot more to the uh, the more sort of classic, like I, I guess I'd sort of put him in that sort of Jim Reeves mm, okay. place. You yeah. know, uh, he... He'd always sing, put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone, you know, and I, I mean, he's great, you know, he still is, and he'll still get on uh, Facebook and post a video now and again, and, like, <laughs> and, yeah, and it's great, you know, it. yeah, and I mean, he just posted something from singing at church last weekend with my brothers and, and my nieces, so, uh, so he still loves doing it, but. So were you raised in the church? I was, yeah, I mean, it was, um, Baptist? Know, uh, uh, well, close, I mean, okay. uh, we were. I guess pretty close to Methodist is is uh, what I would uh, Catholic light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very close. Except I, I never felt guilty. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, but no, I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, I sung in the choir in church and sung solo. I mean, I, I think I, I was kind of pushed a little bit um, to do it. Uh, I sung in school chorus a little bit. Uh, you know, I kind of knew, kind of had the dream back then. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be a country singer, though. Um, I think when you grow up 
Uh, with a, no, if your dad's doing it, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to rebel and want to go in the total opposite direction, which is what I did, or, you know, or you're going to jump on the wagon with him and, and do the same thing. And, and I never, and, you know, it's hard to ever tell why one does one thing and one does another. But Don't you that's, think we that's all rebel at the, in the beginning and then we, we do. come back? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is um, my first band, when I was 19, I joined in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, and we were writing some, you know, some of the first songs that I actually ever put to music with, was with these guys. And, and um, you know, and I remember taking some songs home that we'd been working on and recorded in our little crude little, you know, eight-track Tascam or Fostex or whatever it was we had. And he'd listen. He's like, yeah, it's not too bad. He said, but uh, you'll come on back to country one of these days. And I said, you're full of it, Dad. I ain't, I ain't doing that, you know. How old were you? But sure enough, I was 19 then okay. and 20, and by the time I was 23, I was in Nashville. <laughs> so, so well, wait, 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 you're leaving out a big part there because yeah, uh, yeah. at some point you went to Atlanta, Georgia for uh, the Music Institute. Um, yeah, when I when I uh, when I was in that first band after being together for a couple of years, um, the, the other guys were probably on average eight or ten years older than I was. Okay. And, uh, bass player's wife had a baby, which kind of meant number one we lost our bass player and we lost our rehearsal space because <laughs> oh, well, we did yeah. it in his house so sure uh you know um so i i was you know one of the things about it though was that i realized that uh, we collectively as a band had no clue really what to do if we were truly serious about it we knew we had to have a quote-unquote demo and whatever else but you know the scene in raleigh north carolina was just not necessarily all that conducive to big musical success so sure. uh so I, you know, um, I ended up seeing an ad for a music business institute, which was the Art Institute um, of Atlanta, and there's one here now too. And I think there were a few around the country. But I ended up responding to that, looking into it. It looked very interesting. You could go and, and learn about the music business, about video, about ra you know, radio, copyright, a lot of stuff. And what year was this? What year did you did you go there? This uh, this would have been ninety one. Okay, so you were and, there from '91 to '93. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then you know basically uh, got that degree. It was you know um, it was a lot of fun, very formative period for me. Um, and I never went because I wanted to work in the music business. It's because I wanted to know how everything worked, you know, and and uh, so that when I pursued it as an artist or songwriter, you know, I could be a lot more informed about how to approach things. And, I've uh, heard it more than once said that if yeah, you come to this yeah. town with a, a, a guitar case, you better have a briefcase in the other, meaning that you better know the business as well as you know the yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I, and I knew it. I knew that would have to be the case. And um, and while I was in school there, I actually had, um, there was a guy named Julian Ziff that was a, a copyright uh, law teacher. And, uh, and he invited us to bring some original material in to play and to, to critique or whatever, you know, just, just for the fun of it. And he, after, you know, after the um, end of our, you know, at the end of our class and when we graduated or whatever, he kind of pulled me to the side and, and um, you know, actually he even talked to my parents behind my back at the graduation and said, you know, hey, don't let him quit because mm -hmm. I think he's got something. And he said he didn't really... You know, he didn't really hand that out very often. So, so that was, you know, very validating and kind of validated uh, once again my excuse for moving here and 
and being broke all my life. But um, <laughs> are you still in touch with anybody that you went to school with? You know, I am um, <clears throat> quite a bit. Um, a couple of them. Well, one of them uh, unfortunately passed away about three or four years ago. He actually moved to town here, and we used to hang out quite a bit, ride motorcycles together. But I, I still talk to him. You know, thank God for Facebook or right, right. Al Gore or Zuckerberg or whoever it was that invented the internet. Who was that? Zuckerberg. No, no, no. Making a joke, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we, so you know, so I still do keep in touch with some of them, and um, you know, now and again I'll go down to Atlanta and like play at the uh, at Eddie's Attic, and um, which I'm I got one coming up pretty soon, and uh, I see some of them still, uh, and it's been, you know, we're talking twenty twenty five years now since since I met these people. So oh wow, I just said this. So did anybody was anybody as successful as you? Well, you know, I think, uh, I guess it just depends. Now, as far as the ones who got into the music business, uh, you know, I'm, I've am i ended up being one of the only ones who kind of remained. Oh, wow. Uh, most of them kind of went off and did other things that were, uh, you know, you know how it is. I mean, a, a lot of people go to school and they get a degree and then they, uh, you know, percentage-wise, I mean, how many people actually end up doing exactly what they went to school for? Sure. Uh, so I think some of them worked... I know a couple of my friends worked in the, um, the movie industry there. Uh, one of them was a, uh, a camera operator for a while. He even worked on the set of Shawshank Redemption, or no, uh, The Green Mile, when they shot that here. Okay. And, uh, you know, so, and I got another friend from down there, a guy named Greg, who I think does still some producing and, and uh, you know, some studio work playing-wise. He doesn't live here in town, but I want to say he may be in Florida now. But Yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I really don't know um, how many of them are still in the business. I think some of them actually, uh, you know, probably own a, a nice home. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, so you, you leave, you graduate from, uh, from the, the music, uh, business Institute or you mean music business Institute. And then you, you go back to North Carolina or do you go from there to, to Nashville? I temporarily went back to the Raleigh area, worked in radio for a minute. Um, as a DJ? Yeah, yeah, I was I was a weather guy at one station for a minute, you know. It was just kind of getting my foot in the door, and yeah, it was something I wanted to do. I wasn't sure it's what I wanted to do for a living, uh-huh. but I just thought, you know, I'll give it a shot because I'd had so many people say, "Well, you should be in radio, man. You sound, you know, you sound just like your mom," you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, so I, I gave that a shot, and, and it's always been intriguing. And um, but yeah, I, I was really kind of just going back there to sort of regroup um I, I just knew i didn't want to stay in atlanta uh for what i was planning on, on doing so sure. i went back regrouped saved a little money uh, and all this time you're 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 writing songs and playing guitar you just haven't yeah yeah um now my songwriting wasn't to a level obviously it needed to be yet i mean i, I know you know my a teacher had told me he thought I had a lot of potential and liked some of what he heard, but you know, I just wasn't doing it enough. Uh, I joined another band briefly while I was in the Raleigh area just to kind of keep that going, uh, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And I was just sort of in transition, you know. I, I knew I was coming here. Um, ended up uh, getting engaged, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, and, and moving to town with a new wife, which uh, I, I don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you really don't know what you're going to do, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, but obviously um, some of that stuff helps to really uh, inform some song ideas. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, I got here. What year? At the end of 93. So okay. so we're going on 20, 
23 years now, uh -huh. 20, yeah, something like that. Anyway, wow, man, I just really dated myself, didn't I? That's all right. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I, I moved in uh, Bellevue on the west side of town. Um, you know, I got a couple of jobs early on, got fired from one of them because they found out I was here to be in the music business. So really? I learned to, uh, to not tell the next guy that. Um, sure. But I ended up working, uh, the, the job, the, the place I landed that ended up kind of sticking was a place called Rock Harbor Marina, and it's over on the west side of town on the river. It was a, it was a boat dealer, a yacht dealer. It was a marina. Um, we worked on, you know, I did a lot of body work on boats. I, I did bottom jobs. I painted, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was grunt work. It was dirty, but uh, I could kind of set my own schedule and... and uh, <laughs> Thanks, phone. <laughs> but you know, I could kind of set my own schedule and uh, and and come in and work when I needed to. And if I needed to go to Music Row and have meetings or whatever, I could do that. At one point, I got my first publishing deal, uh, developmental thing with Acuff Rose, and and I was working for the Marina part time still. So I'd go right in the mornings and then go into uh, to work on boats around two or so. Stay Who signed you? Um, <clears throat> well. Um, Troy Tomlinson was the guy kind of running the show. Um, Jerry Bradley, okay. actually. Um, but Buddy Cannon and Nora Wilson kind of, I guess, quote-unquote, discovered me. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they brought me in, said, hey, we think this guy's got something. Maybe we can get him a record deal. Will you guys sign him to a publishing deal and maybe pay for some sides, you know. And that's that was kind of my foot in the door. That was 97. Um, and that's kind of where I got rolling when I started learning you know, not only the real craft of songwriting after being, you know, I, I've known all along, you know, if, you, if you're really serious about songwriting, um, you got to move to Nashville. You got to move to where the best ones are and you got to, you got to soak it in. You got to realize where the bar is. You got to realize where you are and uh, be honest with yourself and, and, uh, and really kind of go from there. And, you know, so I, I you know, I started finally it started clicking and i realized man i got a long way to go i mean hell when i moved to town the, the, the very first songwriter i saw play anywhere was skip ewing oh wow at a bagel shop you yeah. know and I, this guy standing up there with all these finger picks and i'm like man i got a lot of work to do sure sure <laughs> but but seeing that was was huge I mean, mm -hmm. it was important you know and at some point um you know i realized uh that I never quite fit the Nashville mold necessarily as far as the way the business was going, especially by the time I got a record deal. I mean, I've always been a little polarizing and a little left to center. Mm -hmm. um, as a writer or as an artist? A little bit both, actually. Okay. Um, now, I think when I've done some co-writing before, we've sort of hit it right down the middle a few times, and I've been lucky enough to sort of have some uh, some cuts by other people. and But, uh, you know... Being, you know, being different is is important. I think um, I was that and hard headed to boot, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, but you know what your, you know, you know what your weaknesses and strengths are. And um, if if it doesn't quite fit, then it's just about going to be impossible to to make it happen. Did you, you know? did you play down on Broadway or down in the clubs or anything while you're here? You know, I did a little bit. I did more writers' nights than I did uh, Broadway stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't. You know, because I was trying to approach this from a writing standpoint, mostly. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get a record deal at some point, but I, you know, I wanted to, to be the writer. You know, right. And I wanted it to be through my own window. And even to the point that I, I didn't really, I was, I was a little hard-headed about writing with, 
other, you know, uh, hit writers, um, for a couple of reasons. I, you know, I got some kind of weird attitudes off a couple of them early on, which made me, uh, maybe get a little chip on my shoulder, but like they look down on you. Well, they, it's not that they look down on me, but, but it's like they, um, you know, uh, when you're young, a little greenhorn, you know, they don't want to act like you're worth their time. Sure. Um, and I understand now, too, that, you know, when you're a success like that and when you've put in your time and become good at your craft, you got to see you got to see the worth in the time you're going to spend with with the younger people coming up. You know, I mean, uh, you got to you got to believe in what they're doing. You got to um, you got to be excited about getting with people because your time's valuable. You know, sure. I, I've you know, over the years, I've just realized it. Um, you know, I, I've probably wasted a lot of time in some co-writes, but, but, you know, uh, it's not really a waste when, when you're learning. Um, but, uh, you know, so, but I just, uh, you know, I wanted to get some, some cuts and get some stuff going down the line. What was your first, uh, cut that you got? My first cut was with Brian McComas. Okay. Um, uh, he, at the time, I think he was on Lyric Street, maybe. Okay. Um, We're going back to about, what, 2001? Yeah, roughly, roughly, yeah. Um, 2002? Yeah, it was early 2000s. Yeah, and, you know, so and that, that was something that, you know, was in, landed on his album. Uh, they said it would be a single. It never was, but but it was my first cut. It was written with uh, Shay Smith, who had had some success and... and uh, my my proudest moment, I think, as a writer, was when Randy Travis cut a couple of my songs on his uh, Rise and Shine. How album. can you not love Randy Travis? Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, obviously the guy's a legend in the making. You got to meet him. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I got to open for him in Salt Lake City. Oh. Like, and then I got to sit out there and watch him sing my song. I'm totally jealous. I, I actually, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous was, right now. <laughs> it was the coolest thing, man. I mean, you talk about validation. It was just, that was awesome. I um, bet. That's yeah. like, I exist. I'm here. I'm part of this family now. Yeah, I mean, it finally felt like, okay, well, you know, I'm doing it right. Right. Know, um, I had a top ten with Clay Walker on a song called A Few Questions that, that uh, you know, proud of that as well um and i've had a couple with trace since then and and uh over the years i haven't really done a lot of pitching um you know it's been i've been so singular well single-minded as an artist i guess because it's hard to it's hard to shake that um you know sometimes i mean even the stuff that i wrote that randy recorded you know i mean one of them one of them was still one of my favorite uh, copyrights uh it's called pray for the fish now it was a it was a wacky song, you know, um, and it's very, it's very um, indicative of the way I write, you know, and the way I, you know, still did it. That was, um, you know, just not something that everybody's going to do, you know. Um, sure. And when when he did, I was like, man, that's so cool. I don't know how many people would have done that. You know? Right. Um, but it was just a funny story, um, and uh, and I do a lot of stuff like that, and and I've never written <clears throat> like in. In high numbers, as far as uh, just turning them out, you know, um, it kind of just became a thing. Like when it hit me, and something truly unique or you know, inspiring hit me, I'd, I'd run with it. Um, so you have to be you have to be inspired to write. I do, for the most part. My attention span is is about this long. <laughs> <laughs> so so did, and, uh, did, did that? I mean, did that make it difficult being on a pub deal and knowing you had to pump out so many songs a, a month? Well, it, it, not really. I mean, because it, it was easy still to uh, to write enough songs. Okay. Um, I just didn't write 
many more over my <laughs> I knew a lot of people that write two a day and I you know I don't know I was telling a friend of mine earlier today I've maybe done that twice in my life and and then I'm telling you even you know when I work on something in the morning and and it kind of goes into the afternoon um it ends up you know it ends up like mentally wearing me out man I don't see how I mean if you know it was funny we used to write in the morning we go to lunch and then half the time we were worn out by two or three because we ate too much at lunch i, I kind of remember uh we had a longhorn yeah exactly the, yeah home away from home there <laughs> absolutely but, man don't you miss that down there i do man i i miss i miss the town the way it was oh yeah yeah you when you when you went into printer's alley you always went to barbara's or yeah. skulls or yeah. You know, if you if you were going downtown, you were going to Longhorn, or I don't know if you remember that old 16th Avenue cafe uh, that was down there for a while. Idle hour. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. And that's still there. Really? Hell, it was it was shaking last night, man. I, <laughs> I was at a little uh, get together down there and saw it. But, yeah. Man, yeah, that's cr- kind of crazy. So yeah, so you writing on your pub deal, and then how'd that <clears throat> escalate or, or or jump into a, a, a major label record deal? Well, I was uh, was writing for Tom Collins uh, Publishing. This is after I had left uh, Acuff Rose. I'd been gone from there for about a year. And uh, so I started writing with Tom, and, and I was with Tom for probably probably about three years, and, and he kind of pitched me around a little bit to to see what we could get going. And we just ended up landing at Warner, you know. Um, there was a song called Plowboy uh, that uh, that I had written way back it. when. I, you know, that's kind of what got me signed. and. So how how many labels were you pitched to before you were picked up? You know, honestly, probably, I don't know if it was all of them. I, I think we kind of had some sort of, uh, uh, you know, a uh, little inside track to who might be worth talking to. Mm-hmm. So, But I, I'd say, you know, four or five at least. You know, there were more of them back then too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And we had some interest, I think, at Mercury and at the time Asylum as well for a minute, you know, um, but you know, those just those didn't pan out. So. Did you do a full blown showcase, or was it? Or a... I I did. Um, I think that dog's dying by now. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, do we need to call the paramedics? Uh, um, <laughs> but we, you know, we did. Um, I don't know if we didn't do a showcase for um, uh, for all the labels at once. I think we kind of had a couple of people interested and just brought them out or whatever. It was kind of a kind of a um, you know, a low pressure thing. Um, so, when you were on Warner Brothers, did you did you? And for the listeners out there, I've got a. This is my. This is my. What you're hearing in the background. This is my my wife's Shih Tzu. The 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 dog is 16 years old, and uh, she uh, she she. I promise she's not dying. Um, but she deals with this particular cough, and uh, she's taking all kinds of medicine and everything else. And and uh, she won't die on us in the middle of hopefully in the middle of this interview, but you might hear it in the background. Um, you have dogs? I do. We've got one um, named Jake. He's pretty cool. How old is Jake? American Bulldog. He's uh, he's about seven. He's uh, a big dog, so he's starting to slow down a little bit too. <laughs> um, so, so you're on uh, Warner Brothers, and uh, you start working for the. Did, did you immediately? Was uh, your producer was the one that was pitching you, or was it your management, or how did how did it, it work? Well, I mean, it was a little bit. Uh, well, I didn't have management at the time. It was my publisher mainly that was pitching me. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> 
Never have to edit these things. <laughs> Ever. I didn't hear a gunshot, so I guess no. I didn't shoot her. <laughs> no, I didn't shoot her. All right. So, was it your? Uh, was it your? Who, who? Who was the one that was was sending you out there to to pitch you? Was it your your manager? Was it your publisher? Was it your? Who did that? Uh, it was my publisher, Tom Collins, actually, at the time. Um, I didn't have management, you know. I never really thought I had any real need for it at that point. But, yeah, Tom uh, kind of knew some of the, the main guys, and they'd make a call here and there. And so it was him initially that did that, you know. Um, I was writing for him, so obviously he stood to, uh, you know, to collect <laughs> from, sure. from the writing and the royalties there. So, uh, so yeah, it was a vested interest thing. and. Um, yeah, so at the time, um, a producer really wasn't established, aside from my friend Philip Moore, who uh, I co-wrote with, and we went out on the road, he played with me, you know, um, so we were kind of thick as thieves, he and I, I mean, mm -hmm. hell, I was just at his house today, out in Smyrna, recording a, a new little demo, but yeah, so, you know, Tom uh, kind of got, got us in the door there. And, uh, you know, and then we ended up having uh, Buddy Cannon come in uh, with Philip and, and co-produce that first album. Okay, so My Kind of Music, yeah. that's the record you guys were working on. Yeah. And I will never forget hearing that, that, that first song, My Kind of Music, whenever I, whenever I, I was like, whoa, that is cool. That is different. That is like <laughs> yeah. way uh, left of center. Um were they scared when you came to them with, to the table with this type of song? Uh, I mean, you were talking about, you know, basically yeah. screw Whitney Houston, you know. Oh, well, by the way, is that still in the, you do, yeah. do you do that live? No, I took that out. I changed it to Justin Bieber just uh, <laughs> just for uh, respect for, you know, I mean, she passed away. I'm not going to dog her out. You know? Right. Honestly, I mean, a lot of people don't know out there, but Whitney Houston, she, she kind of pissed me off uh, years ago when she, she said some things about Dolly Parton that just weren't very nice. I mean, right. I think when she had a hit, that, that big hit with I'll Always Love You, uh, you know, Whitney said something to the effect of, yeah, somebody finally sung the song right. Oh. I'm like, are you kidding me? You you know, what a what a piece of garbage, in my opinion. You know, now I obviously have plenty of respect for the deceased, but, oh, God, that rubbed me the wrong way. I thought, I can't believe somebody would have the, audacity to say something like that but you know because dolly's amazing oh know. and 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 such a sweetheart yeah uh, yeah and i'm sure she you know <laughs> uh, you know I, and knowing dolly she probably just sort of took it in stride and said well i'll take the money absolutely absolutely <laughs> she's probably you know, laughing all the way to the bank exactly and i'm know? sure and, and it being the pop hit it was good god i can't believe i can't imagine how much it, it made her you know? oh is she still i mean <clears throat> There's no telling. I bet that's probably... Oh, it's still rolling in. I mean, God, how many times has it been re-recorded? And, you know, I mean, 
Sure, sure. Uh, now, so were they? Did they freak out when you put this record out? I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty controversial at the time. You know, to be honest with you, I was just, timing wise, I was in a good place with Warner. Uh, Paul Worley brought me in there, um, and not long after that, uh, a guy named Bill Bennett came in. He came from L.A., mm-hmm. and so he wasn't a Nashville guy, although I think he was connected pretty well. Um, but he heard the project, he heard the song. I think he got excited about it because it was different. I mean, he, he considered the song um, almost like a, a promotional tool for, for our format, almost. You know what I mean? Hey, this is country. You know. And he knew it was different. He knew it had the potential to be a hit. Um, you know, and at the time, too, all the social media stuff um, was just starting to take off, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, we had some people at Warner that had a really great vision for that, and and he had the idea, and they had the idea collectively to uh, to try to break me uh, through social media, uh, through the internet, uh, as opposed to the you know the tried and true, take them to the radio, do a radio tour, go visit everybody and their brother. So this before was two thousand five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, so we kind of did that. Well. You know, we, we didn't go to radio initially beforehand, before the release of the song, didn't visit any radio. Um, and I know at the time, my management really wasn't too excited about that. I think they thought they were taking a chance doing it that way. And, and you know, um, and, and as we know, even still today, you know, as far as big mainstream commercial country success, I mean, you're still pretty uh, dependent on, on uh, big radio to get behind you. you know so, what I mean? so what year was this? Oh, and and whose vision was that to try to break you through uh, social media? I'm actually going it, somewhere. It was uh, it was it was Bill Bennett's vision, I think. I mean, I think it was a collective thing with him and the new media department at Warner. Um, uh, and and it, to me, it was it was a great idea oh, in, in theory. He was uh, about 10, 10 years it, off. Yeah, it was a little yeah, it was a little before its time probably. Yeah. But, but it was you know. Um, and what ended up happening is the song was getting some traction out there online. We, we shot a video for it. Not, not real cheap either. Um, but, uh, well, it was cheap compared to a lot of other ones getting made, but uh, compared to now, it's <laughs> pretty expensive. <laughs> but, you know, um, we did that, put it out, CMT played it, GAC played it. Uh, I got some good placement doing live stuff with them here and there. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, it, it was... You know, just internet, you know, and, um, but the song started catching on a little bit. Radio, we still went for ads, you sure. know, at, but we just didn't set it up the way most people do. When you went on a radio tour, how did they respond to it? They respond, I mean, it, it was, it was different. I mean, some regions a little better than others, you know, mm-hmm. the song had kissed my ass in the end of it, obviously, so we had to do a radio oh, Which is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and I, I've kind of been that guy ever since, uh, but... Um, you know, the response to it was great. In certain regions, they, they just flipped out over it. You know, uh, I know I remember out west, it really took off early. And I think the west coast has kind of always been more apt for, um, you know, to get behind something, try something new, you know, support new music, support different, you know, outside the lines kind of stuff. And so, it, you know, it started out really good. And because it started to get some traction, and get some people excited, they thought, oh, well, you know, maybe we should send him to radio. So so then we started visiting some radio stations. But, you know, the single had been out so long at one point that we were getting more ads with some stations after paying them a visit. Um, but 
Other stations had been on it so long that they were kind of coming off of it. So we were never really able to break the top 40 uh, because, I mean, you know how it works. It's just, sure. you know, you got to have that, the spins and they got to keep going up. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a very methodical way that they do that. So, you know, so that's, I mean, we went to 36 with it. Um, and the song was very polarizing. I mean, we had some records, uh, some uh, radio stations that just wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I mean, I remember uh, Coyote up in Louisville wouldn't even, you know, give us a time of day. I think uh, you know, a guy up in Minneapolis was just like, hell no, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I... And, this and, is real country music. Yeah, I mean, and they were that. saying, well, man, I don't want to play a song that's going to remind my listeners of all the people I don't play anymore, you know, because uh, <laughs> truly it, it kind of did. You know, I mentioned all these great country artists in it, and, you know, instead you're playing the you know, the bullshit you're playing. Uh, so some your, of it, your but, record might have been 10 years ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and I've always kind of, it's funny, um, <laughs> I was probably born, you know, 20 years too late or whatever. Uh, I know even a guy at Universal, my last publishing deal was with them, and, and uh, one of the guys that works there, I won't name him, but he uh, he said, he said, man, if you'd have been born 20 years earlier, you'd, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> right now, you know? um, but, you know, but, but there's something cool about that. I mean, I never set out to be throwback or retro or anything like that, but I, I think the more traditional stuff, the 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 uh, the stylists or whatever that I grew up on, or, or that's what really appealed to me, and that's what really spoke to me. And you know, I mean, if you listen to the way I talk, I mean, I pretty much sing the same way. And uh, you know, the only difference is I got a guitar in my hand when I'm singing. You know. But uh, see, here, you know, you 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 call them throwbacks and and retro and and stylists. But the the truth <clears> of the matter <throat> is, before videos came into the play. Um, yeah. You turned on the radio, and in, in the first few bars, you knew exactly mm. who the singer was by their voice. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you struggle for maybe the you hear hear the chorus, and you're still yeah. struggling. You know, you're going. Well, Where? sometimes you like who they are. I mean, sometimes you know who they are. You just don't necessarily like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, and I know, you know, no disrespect, and I don't begrudge anybody's success. I mean, it did. Video changed the music business. Period, because it. Uh, it, it watered down the talent. All of a sudden, uh, someone's appearance became more important. You sure. Know? I mean, imagine, you know, imagine some of the people that we have cherished since we were kids and we still cherish uh, talent-wise. Imagine some of those people now even trying to get a record deal based oh, on yeah. how they look. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don <laughs> Williams. I mean, yeah, one man. of the best, man. And that guy, man, I mean, he was one of my, I mean, he sung my favorite song. I mean, uh, you know. Good old boys like me. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's my favorite country song. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, so it did change the industry, and it, you know, hell, I, you know, even now, I mean, I know you, know, you being an athlete, you work out a lot. I mean, if I weren't in the music business, I'd probably eat a lot of cheeseburgers, saying the hell with it, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I mean, we're out on the road, and it's hard to stay in shape. But you know, the the, the sad fact is, you got to at least be somewhat aware of it, you know. Yes. Um, and it's not that the the guys from the old days weren't, but. For the most part, that um, you know that requirement wasn't bestowed upon them or forced on them, you know, um, as much. And and I think you know just over the years, you see people who have that sort of sex appeal and and uh, that look or whatever else. You know, people are going for pop crossover success. They're going for a much younger demographic. I mean, uh, you know, I mean. Elvis was amazing, but but he was also one of the prettiest people on earth. You sure, know? And sure. So that I mean, obviously that formula works. Right. 
Um, I think it just, it changed the country format um, a little bit um, in, in the wrong direction for me because what really drew me to country music was the true stories, the real lyrics, the real people singing it, uh, and the stylists. And it wasn't, you know, I mean... <laughs> Some of these guys were rough as a badger's ass. Right. I mean, imagine imagine Johnny Paycheck on on Nashville. You know, no, I, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't he might have shot somebody yeah. for sure. He'd be the guy selling drugs to Deacon or something. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know. You know, but you know, but that's the thing. I mean, those guys were great. I mean, you know, imagine Janis Joplin today trying to get a record deal. No, I, mean, I can't. She might get a, you know, she might get a job singing backup in somebody's band way back there where the spotlight wasn't on her. You know, I mean, that's sure. just the, that's the mentality now compared to what it used to be. I, I know, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. They were like, "Man, your that stuff is so good. You ever thought about a, you know, going to a label?" I'm like, "Man, I, you know, I'm, I'm for one thing, I'm past the age uh, where they really would want to do anything, but." You know, I, I think about it. I got a great band. Um, what is the name of your band? The most interesting band in the world. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought... I, I thought we were, now, we were going by Van Whalen for a little while. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a name I've been using off and on for 10 years, uh, but I never registered it. And uh, a band up in Louisville, Kentucky, apparently has that name registered and kind of, you know, kind of gave me a little bit of a butthurt thing I about it a couple months ago. And, and I had no idea, you know, I mean, they're up there. I think they're mainly local, so it's not like they're all over the place. But, but you know, so I thought, well, hell, I mean, I, I'm not going to get in a pissing match with anybody. We'll, we'll just change it, you know. And, and if this one doesn't, you know, if this one doesn't stick, we'll figure something else out, you know. I had a band named Three Doors Down once. No way. I swear to God, you, <laughs> you can read it up on oh, the wall. Man, yeah. Yeah, Gosh, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then about three years after, you know, we were, we were doing something, they, they came out with Super Kryptonite or whatever it was. and they Oh, came, yeah, 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 man. It was nuts. Anyway, um, so tell me about Tijuana Buzzkill. <laughs> uh, it's a true story, man. It, it, from start to finish, uh, I just basically told the story of uh, you know being young and stupid. And how old were you? I, I was about nineteen, actually. Uh, <laughs> what were you doing in Tijuana at nineteen? Uh, we were in San Diego, man, and, and we just crossed the border because we could. And, We'd heard about all the wonderful things in Tijuana. Donkey sex like, and all that. Yeah, all that, yeah, all that crazy <laughs> stuff, you know. And so I, you know, so of course we went down there. We ended up getting tore up on tequila and uh, had a couple. Well, I mean, we were in a bar drinking, had a couple of hookers approach us, and and, uh, and we didn't really even know they were hookers. I mean, that's how young I was, but. Uh, until you had to pay. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they they asked us if this we wanted cost dates. Me how much? Yeah, I mean, they asked if we wanted dates, and we were like, uh, and we figured it out, you know. Sure. No. Um, and they oh, said, they, they were like, well, will you at least buy us a beer? And, I thought uh, you just admitted. <laughs> no. I mean, that, yeah. Yes, I did a hooker, but I did not know I was, it was a hooker at the time. I was a fat Mexican hooker, so it didn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, no, uh, you know, um, but they, yeah, I mean, they. But we turned them down. We figured out, okay, two and two. Okay, these these are girls, uh, call girls. These are hookers. These are prostitutes. So, uh, so they said, well, will you at least buy us a beer? And I thought, well, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, so they sat down with us, and we had you know, a couple of piece. And then, you know, when you're that age, man, you know, you don't have a lot of money in your pocket. And, um, you know, we knew how much we could afford to drink. So we were like, we got to get out of here, man. We, you know, we can't keep buying beers for these girls. Mm -hmm. and, even still, I mean, it was probably a couple of bucks a pop. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but uh, 
when I went to inquire about the bill, getting the bill, he brought it to me, and it was outrageous. It was really high. Uh -oh. and, uh, and I said, no, this is, B you know, this is BS, man. We, you know, this, is, this ain't right. I know how much we drink. He said, oh, no, it's a patronage. You have to pay for the ladies because they spend time with you. you know, and, I, oh. and I said, no, sir. I said, if I'd have known that, these, you know, these girls would never, <laughs> never would have sat down. You know? so, so we got into a little argument about it, and I was drunk. And, uh, you know, Who'd you hit? I took a well. I took a swing at the at the bartender, and I missed him. And um, <laughs> and, and and just in no time, the bouncer's on me. My friend, just like out of the cheesy cowboy movie, comes up and literally hits the guy with a beer bottle in his head. Oh shit! And then the the federales are in there, and mm -hmm. it all happened so fast. And and uh, you know, they took us downtown, threw us in a cell. A couple of us. I mean, there's even a part in the song where I talk about a you know, a drunk bandito uh, urinating on my foot. Well, yeah, it was a Mexican guy in the cell next to us that, you know, I didn't, I didn't see him doing it. I just felt, <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, all of a sudden my foot's getting all warm, you know, and I look around and I say, thanks a lot there, amigo, you know. You didn't hit him? No, I mean, I couldn't get to him. He was in the cell next to us. So, I mean, oh, he, damn. He was just laughing in Spanish, you know. I mean. Oh, damn. But, yeah, so, I mean, that, that, I mean, obviously it's a funny story. Now, at the, at the time, it was probably the scariest night of my life, you know. I mean, imagine being in jail in Tijuana, man. I mean, all the, all the uh, you know, horror stories you hear about that. How long were you in there for? I mean, they, they kept us in there a couple of hours. You know? Oh, I thought you were going to say a couple of weeks. No, hell no, man. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, we ended up getting out for what we had on us. Um, but they were, you know, they put a good scare into us. And I think, I think they just like messing with us, man. I mean, I think that's, God, I, I can't tell you how much revenue I'm sure that generates for that town. So you, you and gave it's still filthy as hell. All of you guys, you gave everything that you had in your pockets. And how yeah. did you get back home? We, hell, we just got on the damn, uh, the, we had a ticket already for the, uh, the tram or whatever it was. It came down. It's like a little train or whatever. Uh-huh. So we, we just went back up there. Holy crap. Yeah. I bet, I bet you were terrified. <laughs> oh, I was, man. I was. I, I just, yeah. And I, I, I've always said I'll, I'm never going back there. You know, I haven't been back there. I've been all over Mexico otherwise, but never Tijuana. <laughs> so, you, so you put this country record out, and uh, and, you, and I think you put out like two or three singles, and then then what happened? Do you feel like they weren't supporting you? Did you they, ask they, out? They weren't. I mean, and I did ask out eventually. Um, you know, and they held on to me. They were, you know, kind of making. They were like, "Oh no, it's gonna be great." You know, we want you to make a second album and. You know, at the time I was there with, uh, you know, uh, Paul Worley left and he was kind of my guy. So all of a sudden he's gone. Um, and I was there with uh, Tracy Gershon, uh, who was, uh, I guess, a VP of A&R or whatever, who I guess moved up to the head honcho position. I wasn't her artist. She didn't bring me in. So I really didn't think there was a real vested interest there. Plus, I think a lot of the things that she was trying to tell me to do were were ridiculous, and she had no idea who I was or what I needed to be doing. So, so I, I just got frustrated with her because I didn't think she knew her ass or 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 you know really knew what to tell me to do. And uh, at the same time, she she really wasn't releasing any singles. I mean, I think they they went probably a good year without a, a release. You know, while I'm sitting there waiting, and I just got you know I, I got frustrated you know just like anybody would and i knew we were out looking for songs and they were trying to make me cut outside songs and try something different and whatever else and, you know and i i bought into it for a little bit but we just really couldn't get it figured out you know or find 
you know, a great song that was also a great song for me, you know, and a lot of stuff, you know, it was all a learning experience, you know. Um, How many songs did you cut for that second record that you, that you didn't end up putting out? God, man, I mean, we cut probably, you know, 10 or 12. Um, I don't remember exactly. So this is this, this is that part of that Nashville process where they're yeah. where they're trying to tell you how to dress, how to sound. Yeah, to I be. mean, and there wasn't. I mean, and, you know, honestly, they weren't too bad about that. I mean, I was dressing and doing whatever I wanted to do for the most part. I know uh, <laughs> I did hear through a grapevine that at one point in a meeting, you know, somebody made mention that I should wear tighter jeans or something like that, which is was what? fucking stupid. You know, sorry for my language, but. Uh, but, you can you say know, that on here. It, well, it's cool. it's an explicit show. Yeah, awesome. Say it again. Come fuck, on. Fuck explicit. <laughs> fuck, fuck. But anyway, so, so yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, <laughs> but it was just one of those things. I mean, you, you realize after a while whether you kind of fit in that system or you don't. And it's not that I don't think we could have been a big success. I just think that after that first single, I mean, they worked it for a long time. I, I give them a lot of credit. They got out there and they really pushed and pushed and pushed and tried because they knew we had something with it. Uh, even despite the fact that it didn't make it past 36, we sold quite a few records um, based on that, which, you know, and I think even back then, I remember that I outsold at least a couple of artists I know of who had number one songs. And uh, Wow. And that and, and I don't know if you know the difference in the, the listenership of a number 36 song and a number one, but you're talking about, at the time, four million people maybe? Mm-hmm. As opposed to maybe four hundred to eight hundred thousand, um, so. I heard one time, and I'm not going to say who the name of the artist was, but <clears throat> but I heard that they had a number one record, and that week they'd only sold like five thousand units. Yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how, how's that possible? Well, it it, it just it, it's a perfect example of, uh, you know, this sort of uh, cookie cutter shit that, you know, that they think radio will play, and then they, you know, not only do they do that, but they. They get out there and they, you know, they pay to push that some bitch up the charts, you know. Right. And, and the thing is, at the end of the day, man, if smoke and mirrors, if people love it, they're going to buy it, and if they don't, they're not. And, right. And you know, I mean, hell, Joe Galani, I'm telling you, man, he could he could damn sure get him a number one top ten hit, but he didn't break anybody in the longest. I mean, you know, um, playing it safe, man, has just never been anything that I ever wanted to do, and I was. I was very lucky, and I'll give Warner all the credit in the world for, uh, and thank him even for signing me and giving me an opportunity to be heard by that many people. Sure. Um, you know, had I not had that that uh, major label deal, even no further than we went with it, um, there's a lot of people out there who wouldn't have ever heard me, and uh, you know, and that does help with uh, what we're doing these days. You know, I sure. mean, everywhere we go, man. I mean, I got people in the crowd singing along to the old stuff, and. And, you know, this is, we're going to towns now that we never went to back then. And uh, so it, it's been neat. So, I mean, I, I definitely credit them for sure. for having the balls to sign something like that. And and not only that, but to put out my kind of music as a single. Sure. I mean, so that was, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, and, and uh, it, it, looking back on it, I don't have, you know, I don't have any regrets. And, and I can also see how, you know, some of those guys were... <laughs> worried about losing their jobs and didn't want to stick their necks out too far. You know, I mean, you know, when you're a, a major label uh, and you're trying to break an act, you're generally spending about a million bucks to do it. Sure, and, sure. And so you got to, you know, you got to be real sure about, uh, you know, the guy or girl you're spending that money on. And, you know, if they're sitting around the conference room deciding by committee um, on this stuff, you're always going to have a few that are going to be like, yeah, I don't know, you know. 
And a lot of times that negativity creeps into everybody's mind and they all second guess it. And that's just the way it works. That's the way business is, period. Um, There's not many... Not many businesses where you got one guy calling all the shots without at least having some consultation from others, you know. Not even the president of the United States. Exactly. So, you know, so that's, so that was great. I mean, um, you know, honestly, man, I mean, if I, you know, I was talking about this to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, I mean, there are, you know, if you're Luke Bryan and and, uh, somebody comes up and says, hey, well, you know, we'll pay you, you know, you'll make $10 million over the next a couple of years if you do this this and this mm-hmm. um if you know that's a guarantee i mean that's something hard to turn down you sure know? um especially I mean, when you're taking care of your family exactly, and you know, put exactly. everything else that, yeah. and you know and had i had a baby back then or something um you know and had all that to, to look at you know i mean i might have been more willing and more uh, excited about trying something different or you know or then again maybe not i don't <laughs> i don't know i mean i I'm not really cut out to to kind of do that kind of thing um, overall. So, but you know, I mean, it all helps us figure out where we end up, uh, where we're meant to end up, you right? Know, uh, what we're meant to do, you know. I mean, I've got a I've got a really nice um, fan base that that just totally gets it, and they know that I'm you know kind of giving a collective middle finger to <laughs> you know, to the mainstream, and and uh, and I got nothing against it, you know. I mean. More power to the ones that can do it and pull it off, and, and they're great at it. And there's a lot of them that are. Absolutely. You know? um, but you know, I mean, but there's also spots for the rest of us out there. I think if if we're worth our salt, you know, and and I've just always tried to to work hard to to uh, to fill a niche. You know, what year? What what year did you ask out of your deal? Um, you know, I mean, it was probably. Probably oh six, probably late oh six, or it might have been oh seven. I'm trying to remember when it was that I uh, that I left. Um, I basically, you know, I, I wanted out, and they kind of held on and held on to me for a while, for, for a good year or so. I think, uh, uh, you know, I told uh, you know Chris Lacey on more than one occasion that uh, that I, you know, why don't you guys just let me go and do, you know, I mean this ain't working or whatever. But I, you know, basically what ended up happening was that Scott Hendricks came in and, and he cleaned house, and I was one of them. You know, right. And which which is great <clears throat> because I mean it, it wasn't going anywhere. So, so after that, um, uh, did you did you pitch anywhere else? Did you get pitched anywhere else, or did you decide I'm, I don't want to do the main main? You know, know we talked uh, a little bit to a couple of people, but, but but I just you know I was you know I was really disillusioned about it all, and having gone what I just went through, and and. Here's the deal. I mean, we cut at the time a lot of that material that uh, you know that I cut to go towards that second record was my strongest stuff at the time. Okay. And then all of a sudden, there it's all tied up. You know, um, you didn't get it back. Well, I, I got it back now, but okay. I mean, just to to be able to go and re-record it somewhere else okay. right away, it just wasn't going to happen. Right, you right. Know? So, you know, so th- there was that, and you know, and I. I kind of decided, I mean, I went out and still worked and, and did some stuff over the next year or so. And then I just, I, I sort of refocused and started writing again. I got another publishing deal and, and wrote and kind of hunkered down for a little while. And, you know. Um, and then 2008, you took the reins and you took control over your career again. <clears throat> and the reason I bring that up yeah. is because there's a couple of things that I want to tie in here. Um, when did Shooter Jennings become a fan of yours? You know, uh, I you know I, I don't really know. I mean, I think when my kind of music was out, I, I remember uh, 
you know, just bumping into him. At the time, he was dating Drea DiMatteo mm-hmm. from The Sopranos. Uh, I think they're married now, aren't they? No, no, they, they split up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, I need to catch up. He's with someone else now, and they, I think they have a kid. Uh, you know, uh, I just did a show with Shooter in Columbus, Ohio, a few weeks ago, so I <laughs> I caught up with him a little bit. But, yeah, they they approached me at the airport and told me they were fans, and I, I just thought that was cool. And, and uh, so, you know, I don't know to what extent he's really – a big fan or anything like that, but I think he just, you know, I know he's got an appreciation for it. So the reason I bring him up is because he was also, or is a fan of uh, Sturgill Simpson. And uh, he was the one that recommended Sturgill, or Dave Cobb record Mm. Sturgill Simpson, which is also, by Sturgill Simpson getting recorded, inspired Chris Stapleton to go in that direction. Yeah. Uh, Now, I bring this up because I want to, you know, bring a few dates up. In 2003, iTunes hit and was created. Yeah. 2004, Facebook came around. 2005, YouTube hit. Yeah. 2006, Twitter hit. <clears throat> and I saw where the, all of this was going. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you remember, your your there was a guy, there was a visionary that was a part of your initial, initial launch yeah. that saw it too. He yeah. was just ahead of the game. Yeah. And I, had, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in 2010, I wrote in the Indie Outlaw show, uh, being indie has nothing to do with what company you are or are not affiliated with. It has everything to do with how much you take control of your own life and the steps you take to build the kind of music career you deserve. The outlaw disrupts the status quo when change is needed. By destroying the institutions that are not working, the outlaw creates the opportunity for better, more effective methods to replace them. When a group is repressed by tyranny and ruled by a dictator, the hero's support of the people will be replaced by their favoring of an outlaw. And Marty Stewart, in the quote of Marty Stewart, he said, Today the most outlaw thing you can possibly do in Nashville, Tennessee, is play country music. Country song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what I'm saying is, I think I think deep down in your heart, you knew it in 2008 too. You knew that if, if there's ever an opportunity for me to control this thing, yeah. I need to yeah. own it. Yeah, and yeah. you did. That's exactly what you did. Well, you know, not only do I need to own it, but I need to, you know, I, I need to be one calling the shots. I need to be one deciding what songs I want to record and and uh, how I want to do this. You know, I mean, you realize uh, you meet a lot of people in this town that that talk a big game and and they're sitting in some very important seats. But at the end of the day, they don't know shit. <laughs> Honestly, right? man, I mean, they all they're all rolling the dice, and if if whatever they're they're pushing becomes a success, then they look like a genius. Otherwise, not so much. Right. And, and you know, um, Waylon once said, you're only good as your last hit, Hoss. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> or your next hit. I forget what, but anyway, I mean, he, you know, he got it. I mean, we all, you know, I've been in it for a while. So I see what you got to do to be successful. And that's, you got to connect with people. Sure. You know, and if you can sit in a, you know, in a, in a meeting with, with label execs all day long, and talk, and they can tell you you got to do this, 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 or this. But I'm gonna tell you something. The best A and R staff is that damn crowd standing in front of you at uh, Schmidt Saloon in West Virginia, or something. You know what I mean? It's, sure, sure. You know, if if they're reacting and loving what you're playing them, then by God, that's probably what you ought to be recording. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and I remember, you know, uh, Tracy Kershaw. Not to keep bringing her up, but I, I think. She was trying to tell me, you know, hey, you need to do this and this and whatever else. I'm like, Tracy, you ain't even been to one of my shows in probably over a year. Sure. How the hell would you know? And honestly, I mean, uh, but, you know, so, I, I mean, a lot of people here, I mean, we in music, uh, we own Music Row for the most part. I mean, there's a big disconnect. There always has been. Not so much anymore, though, because 
people are now judging by the instant reaction that they see on online. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, people are I mean, there are people getting publishing deal offers based on a uh, number of likes on YouTube, you know, that kind Sam of shit. Hunt. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but that's, I mean, but the fact is, is by, you know, they didn't have to go out and guess or, or whatever. They see the results before they even, you know, offer the deal. So it makes it a safer deal for some of them, obviously. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, the revenue streams uh, are different. You know, records ain't selling the way they used to. Uh, you know, as streaming gets more and more popular, you know, um, <laughs> you know, songwriters are losing their asses, and and sure. uh, you know, and and you know, and and no wonder uh, the record labels want to be part owner of of Spotify or you know or what Pandora, whatever you know, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise they're getting their asses handed to them, you know, and and. Uh, so, I mean, for, you know, to justify, if you're a record label these days, if you're a major label, to justify spending a million dollars to, you know, to break a new artist, you got to have some, some guarantees, you know, I mean, and I can see why they do, they started doing these 360 deals a few years ago where they're sharing revenue and touring and, and merch and everything else. It's because they got to get their money back somehow. You know, it's not coming from... From record sales, the yeah, way but it if was. If you ever give up your merch and you're, <clears throat> yeah. you're touring, you're in trouble. Well, you can't give it up. I mean, you can't give it all up. I mean, at the end of the day, I think for any artist, it's you know, what is success? What, what's your definition of success? Is it being all over the TV and the radio? Absolutely or, not. You know, I have my own. My own definition yeah. of success would be feeding my family, doing what I love. Exactly, and, and, and the rest of it's just cake. Yeah, and that's and that's where I am. You know. Um, you know, it ain't like we're out there making any down payments on a mansion or sure. anything like that. But, you know, we're at a point where things are uh, steady and, and they're still growing. And, you know, uh, to have been around as long as I have and to see the kind of growth that we're seeing, it's pretty awesome. But I'm, I've almost had kind of two incarnations. It's, it's been strange. I mean, for me to come out 10 years ago, almost 11 now, at Warner, um, and to have that hit, kind of have an audience sort of start following me back then. Uh, you know, I, I went through a little time period there where I, I had some success in Europe, and I had, you know, I was concentrating more on, on playing there, you know. And, and I kind of bowed out for the most part of doing very much touring or anything here in the States because it just wasn't, there wasn't any money in it. Sure, if sure. You're not, if you don't have a hit on the radio, then, then you're, you're shit. You're, you're screwed, you know. So... You still spend uh, all the time overseas? I do. I still go over there. I still try to keep cultivating that, you know. Um, huge country music. Real country it, music. Is it really is, today. you know. I mean, for a guy like me, it just uh, it's a great fit. Um, and I, some of the crowds I've played in front of over there are just phenomenal. But, you know, um, but the thing that changed the game for me here, um, you know, again, if you've been in it for a while, some of the some of the people that you meet along the way, um, or maybe you're going to run into them again down the line. Well, it just turned out that John Marks was running XM, and uh, John Marks was the, uh, you know, he was the the uh, PD in, at Quezon in San Diego back 10, 11 years ago, and he was one of my top five markets. And so he was a fan. He already knew me. Um, and we took him this, you know, those jeans song about four mm-hmm. years ago, and he blew it up. And you know. Uh, no label, no nothing, no no promotion, no nothing. Just XM play. Uh, to this, you know, to this day is you know, we're probably uh, close to four hundred thousand sales on on uh, iTunes from it. Yeah. See, and that and that <clears throat> that's why I brought up the whole Sturgill Simpson uh, yeah. uh, uh, Shooter Jennings tie-in yeah. because the success 
that independent artists are seeing today yeah. are just doors. They're walking through doors that you kicked down years ago. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, I don't know if I kicked them down, but I, but I know uh, that we at least started seeing a little change in the tide. And, and, you know, we were able, you know, we got some help, you know, and uh, I think definitely, I mean, I'm definitely part of that crowd of guys that I think is seeing some, uh, some of the fruits of, uh, of that, but, uh, you know, I mean, and Sturgill's, I mean, obviously he'll, he's on fire out there right now. And, and, uh, you know, Chris, I mean, those, those guys are great, man. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, they're really, really good artists. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta be, you they're can't, outlaws. Yeah, they're you can't everything be, that we were talking about. Yeah, You're exactly. an outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that's, that's happening. And, uh, and to see what's going on with those guys makes me realize that I'm I'm gonna be just fine. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I tell you what, I, I I don't I hardly ever listen to to country radio anymore, and not because I have a problem with it, or not because I have an issue with this is country and this isn't country. Anything. I just I, I use that time in the car now. Yeah. To do other things, listen to a book or, or listen to a podcast or yeah. something else. Well, you got to feed yourself, man. You and um, feed your mind. Absolutely, and uh, but but for for one particular day, uh, and you know where I'm going with this. One particular day, um, I, my wife has this Sirius in her car, and uh, and I, I had it on. I heard this song come on. And I was like, oh shit! And I turned I turned it up. And I'm like, damn! I wish I could play that again. Holy cow! That was awesome. And it was you. I was like. Oh my God, that's probably one of the best damn country songs I've heard in forever. Oh man, ain't always thirsty. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I know you know because I saw on Facebook just uh, last night you know you had some kid covering it you know and so that had to be like wow. You know I've had a bunch of people do that. That's uh, isn't that put cool? Up videos of it and yeah, it is the coolest thing. And I've never really had them do much do that much with anything else. I mean I've seen a few folks do it with my kind of music and. Uh, couple other things but nowhere near the the amount that i've seen them do with that song i think that just struck a chord and it's it's funny you know i mean i've, I've had a lot of women like the song but i think that's a that's a song that speaks to a lot of guys absolutely you know, it really really does and and you know it came from such a, an honest place for me man i mean I, I got a divorce you know a few years ago and um and you know i mean i was i, I knew that uh hell it was a lot, a lot of it was my fault you know and uh and I, you know, and after moving out, being by myself for a little bit, I mean, it was a low, low point, you know. And uh, and I think the song is a, you know, perfect sort of little picture of uh, of where I was at at the time. But you know, um, and you know, and it's also uh, I can I, I'm living proof right now that things definitely change. But that's I think that's something that a lot of people can just relate to, you know, uh, feeling like the hill, feeling like everything sucks, you know. I mean. You know, knowing when uh, you know, you know when you're blamed for something, if you get a divorce or whatever, you know, knowing you hurt people, knowing you know, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff, and and so that you know, that's uh, there's a handful of other songs that came out of that time period too that uh, that I'm really proud of too. I mean, it sucks to have to go through that kind of shit to <laughs> to write those songs, but man, I mean, it, it has. It's been pretty amazing to have XM play that man and that song. I mean, compared to everything else they were playing on that station at the time and, and even now, whatever. I mean, God, it stuck out like sore thumb. And I mean, because it's so. I mean, it's such a country song. I it mean, is. there ain't even any instrumentation in it that tries to fool people into 
you know, and there ain't no well, synth or anything like that. The know. part that, that threw me was I'm, I'm used to hearing you speak in songs. You know, you almost mm. you have this kind of a, a weird, yeah, yeah. W- not weird, but but just a, a, a your style of way that yeah. you speak sing your songs yeah. and this was just flat out sung you didn't yeah. you didn't you didn't just sing, you sang it yeah. you didn't just sing yeah. it you sang it and you, I do that from you time sang to time. the you sang the damn boots <laughs> off the song well you know I, I mean, I've never considered myself uh, the greatest singer in the world but I mean I think on some stuff it's really coming from a, a deep place like that I mean I I mean obviously um, I mean there, there's other songs I sing too I think just some of my more popular songs that people know more than the others, if, if they're just singles kind of people, I mean, everybody's going to think I'm the talking guy. If, if I have to, <coughs> excuse me, every album I've done, <coughs> I probably have Not nearly as three. bad as my wife's dog. No, no doubt, man. <laughs> <laughs> but every album I've done, I mean, I've probably got, you know, maybe three or four of those conversationally talky kind of songs, and the rest are singing. I mean, uh, this one is just... I think I just laid it out there a little more than normal, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think also, man, I mean, I just, I do a lot of lighter hearted stuff, a lot of funny stuff. I think I, I knew a few years back, you know, when I wrote those jeans or when I, you know, I mean, there were other things that came before it. I kind of knew being an independent, obviously, uh, and for one thing, I also, the, the term indie actually makes no sense because we're, we're dependent. I mean, we're dependent on people out there. Sure. So, I mean, I know what this, what it initially means, but it all, every time I hear it, I'm like, eh, independent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, but you know, uh, when you're independent, independent of the machine, exactly. Well, when you're independent, you, you have to, you have to realize, okay, well, I'm one of thousands, hundreds of thousands of artists out there who are trying to do something that stands out enough to, well, that's that's different enough to stand out. You know, it's got to be, it's got to have something about it to make somebody remember it. Um, you know, over and above the other thousand songs they've heard in the last few months. Sure. And so I knew, <clears throat> kind of based on that, that I, that I that I was pretty pretty good sometimes at at sort of the quirky little funny story songs or whatever. And I knew that that wasn't something that everybody was doing. You know, now years ago. You had people like Roger Miller and Jerry Reed and, you know, I mean, a lot of country artists, uh, Tom T. Hall. I mean, back when, you know, uh, back during the golden age, in my opinion, uh, that were doing that. And, and, uh, you know, that stuff was popular and people liked it. And uh, But, you know, for the most part, I wasn't really hearing that. So I realized, I think, that, man, if I can do this and get some attention doing this, then I can separate myself from the pack. And it, it makes... It makes the, uh, I mean, it, you know, it ain't easy, but it makes the fight maybe just a little easier than, sure. than it would be if I were trying to do the same thing everybody else is doing. So, um, so I mean, doing it that way um, has definitely been beneficial to me. Now, I'm at a point right now where I would like to, uh, you know, keep kind of bringing, and not staying serious all the time, but maybe hit folks with a couple more things that show, you know, hey, yeah, he's got a serious side. And then, you know, it's not bad, you know, whatever. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it now. Uh, and after doing, after putting out Ain't Always Thirsty and seeing the, uh, you know, uh, seeing the reaction that it had, I mean, that just tells me more and more, yeah, I, I should just, you know, keep doing that. I mean, you, you can, I mean, you can make a living doing the, uh, <laughs> doing the funny stuff, I guess. And, 
uh, I, I like to I like to do both, you know, and I think sure. you, I think you can do it all. You know? So so let me ask you this: as a songwriter, you know, you you had to go into a deep dark place to write that song. Was it was it odd for you or hard for you to co-write that with anybody? Not really. Uh, it was so personal. Mark, you know, Mark Stephen Jones. I just started writing with him, maybe not too long before that. Um, and he was just a guy who's kind of got this dark place and kind of been been to you know been through some shit, been divorced, you know, kind of been an asshole, <laughs> you know. And he'll tell you that right now, you know. But <clears throat> we're writing tomorrow, as a matter of fact. But uh, you know, so I, I knew he'd been there, and we'd talked a bunch, you know. I mean, and, and the thing is, man, I mean, it's just one of those things where after doing this for a while, you realize that co-writing, man, I mean, that's a relationship, and and you got to be compatible, you know, you got to kind of be coming from the same place. I mean, you can have a best friend who's a great writer. That doesn't mean you can write a song with him, though. You sure. Know? Um, so, uh, but Mark's just one of those guys, and, and we were able to kind of you know, talk about anything. And, and I had written some of that song, most of the chorus, uh, uh, aside from maybe one line um, of the chorus, uh, when I got in there, and I just ran it by him, and and he loved it. And, uh, and we probably... Oh God! I mean, I, I bet we had that thing done inside an hour, you know. Um, and, and you know, it's just one of those things, you know. And I've written a couple more, two or three more, actually, with him that I really love, all of them. Uh, you know, there's one or two of which that I'll record next record. Um, you know, um, and one of them's funny, <laughs> but a couple of them are, are pretty pretty sad, and they kind of come from that same vein. Um, so it's a five year plan. <clears throat> <laughs> Five-year plan, man. It's just to keep keep growing the touring, um, you know, continuing like we're doing. Keep seeing the dates go up, seeing the the quality of the gigs go up. You know, I mean, there's there's a definitely a process there, and, and we see it happening. I've got a, a really great manager and a guy who's also booking me right now, named Brian Cruz. It's just in the in the trenches and kicking ass. You know, um, doing a lot of stuff that you know a lot of Nashville agencies either won't do or can't do sure and, uh, you know um, is he associated with anybody or is he just out doing it out of his house he's well he's doing I mean there's an office he's got a, an office up at uh, Romeo Red around 16th and he's uh so he's and he's learning a lot you know and um doing a lot of networking so I mean he's he's connected for, he's, he's done a lot of show booking show buying and producing things like that on the east coast and and uh so he knows some of the agents here, you know, he, he kind of has a relationship with some people. So, um, but that, that's kind of the plan. I mean, and to continue to write and continue to do, uh, the brand that, that I'm, you know, that I do, you know, I mean, it, you're not going to see me probably branch out and try to do anything experimental or pop record or some shit like that. I mean, I'm, I, I love all kinds of music, but I know by this point in my forties that, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not a one-trick pony, but I, I I know what's stable to hang around in. You know, just don't try Chris Gaines. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Don't, <laughs> no, don't worry, no worries. <laughs> so, what's the one thing uh, that you haven't accomplished yet that you know it's it's all it's in your sights, and yeah. you're like, I, I want, I got to at least do that yeah. someday, and then I know I that's I, I've done it. Uh, being a daddy. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I've been married twice, never had any kids. Um, just got married again. She wants to do it, so we're gonna see what what happens. Wow, How, but, is there an age difference between the two of you? Uh, just six years. She, yeah. She's younger. You know, My wife's um, ten and a half years younger than me, and really? and uh, yeah. so we we started over, and I've got two more now. So yeah. now I've got three children. Uh, 
And let me tell you, there's it's something odd about, you know, uh, I, I was 40, 40 when uh, my six-year-old, she'll be six in July, um, was born. And then obviously I'm 46 now. And then I was 44 when the other one actually delivered the second one. Wow. Delivered. The doctor let me do that. And that was a, a neat experience. But I tell you, it's, it's, it's odd being an older dad. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I'm older. I feel like I could still whip ass, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but like yeah. when I get in there and I look at these other fathers, I'm like, like kids oh i know i know and i I think about that too um you know and there's also the whole you know i mean the (laughs) seeing the way this election's going god i mean it it makes it makes me wonder if i even want to bring a kid in the world in the first place but you know (laughs) uh you know but but yeah i i you know i think part of it man is uh you know my wife stacy she's 40 and uh but she is just so vivacious full of life there's really no no part of her that ever sits around thinking, "Am I too old to have a kid?" She sure. just, she's just ready, and she's just excited about. I mean, are you trying? And oh yeah, of course, I'm about to as soon as I leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, have you seen her? <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, <laughs> uh, we, we uh, yeah, we we're you know not actively trying not to put it that way. There but, you um, go. Um, but yeah, you want um, a boy or a girl? Honestly, man, whatever happens is fine with me. You know, Michael's uh, a great name. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> I remember a movie, uh, Michael Myers. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Man. My my, uh, my brother's name is Michael. I got, got a brother named Michael, Michael Shane. All right, well, uh, man, I appreciate you coming in today. Well, thanks. For, uh, uh, thanks. You, like I tell my mom, thanks for having me. That's We, we covered a lot of ground, man, uh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, you got to hear my dying dog, and and yeah. uh, and, and I, we, we got to share the Ray Scott story. Oh, Ray <laughs> Scott, hey, yeah. your full name. Carlton? Carlton Ray Scott. Carlton Ray Scott Jr. 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 Yeah. And and yeah. and when did you start going by Ray Scott? You're like, damn you, why did you just read that? Yeah, since I was a kid. I mean it's I mean, uh, I've been Ray since you know, since birth. I mean, they used to call me Ray Junior. Sometimes they'd call me Charlie just to be funny. But uh you know, to distinguish me and my dad. But yeah, it's always been Ray and it's funny, I never realized that so few people go by their middle name. But yeah, my I did and so did my dad growing up, so uh so yeah, it's always been Ray, um, and uh, it's not Raymond. Every, hey. and, you know, anytime anybody calls me Raymond, you know, they walk away. If you would have been bruised. a boxer, I would have <laughs> named you Ray Great Scott. Boom Boom, yeah. I went by Boom Boom. Did you? Yeah, yeah. For, for, from like nineteen, from like nineteen seventy five to like nineteen eighty seven, as boxing as an amateur, uh, yeah. and in my very first fight in seventy five, I was Boom Boom Rogers. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Before, not before Lenny Mancini, uh, but definitely before Ray Mancini. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, I was still a big Ray Mancini fan. Boom Boom Ray Mancini. Anyway, um. Dude, thank you for coming in. Thank you for uh, this uh, interview. Thank you for helping Absolutely. us interview. Well, thanks and, for having and me. Telling everybody about uh, Ray Scott. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, buddy. We, we did cover some ground. We, I got to hear your favorite shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was cool, man. I appreciate it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to the About Nashville podcast. Please support us by going to iTunes and subscribing, rating, and leaving a review. See y'all next week.